This is a presentation of the Trine Broadcasting Network, part of the Center for Sports Studies at Trine University. Learn more at trine.edu. Welcome to the Center for Sports Studies podcast. My name is Brandon Podgorski, professor of sport management at Trine University, and I want to welcome you to this week's podcast. Joining me here in the Trine Broadcasting Network studios is a former NHL All-Star and member of the 1980 Miracle on Ice U.S. Olympic hockey team, Dave Christian. Dave, welcome to the podcast. Great to be here, Brandon. Thank you. Well, it's our pleasure to have you here. And, you know, people may best remember you from the 1980 Olympic team and obviously made famous by the movie Miracle. But you had a 15-year career in the NHL. You were an All-Star in 1991 with the Bruins. So as you kind of look back over your career, was winning the gold medal the highlight of your career, or was it something else? I think uh, hockey-related, that uh, definitely stands out as, as the highlight uh, for my hockey career. Uh, it was such a uh, tremendous experience that the whole year leading into Lake Placid, not just uh, – not some. Yes, it was certainly fabulous to win, end up with the gold. But I think uh, the real miracle was the fact that every member on that team elevated their their level of play to a point I don't think any of us as individuals thought we could get there. And we did it at the same time. And I think that, uh, you know, for two weeks uh, we elevated uh, our play so one of the things we've talked about in the past couple of weeks on this podcast with some of our guests has been leadership. We've somehow de facto become in a leadership series here. How much of that do you think was, was Coach Brooks, and we saw a lot of that in the movie, and how much of that do you think was him just picking the right players for that team? I think it was, bo- I think it was both. I think it was his approach to the game itself and his approach to putting together a team was – uh, somewhat uh, unheard of to that to that point. Uh, up to that point, uh, everything was about finding and selecting the best players, and and I think that was a well said. It was like him finding the right players for that team. To a player, we were we were good. Maybe you know, with the except, there were a couple players maybe that would have had a good chance of being on that team had they not signed pro contracts uh, prior to the Olympics in the year prior, but. It was the the right mix of you know attitude, uh, character, uh, mental toughness, and and putting that together. And and I think uh, an example of of that, or one of the, the thoughts was like we were a group of individuals that were used to and accustomed to playing in all uh, key situations on the re- teams that we were coming from, and all of a sudden now you get twenty guys that. We can't all be in that situation. We can't all be out there on the ice for the last shift. We can't all be on the power play. And, and so it was, uh, you know, finding the, the players that were okay with filling the different roles needed on a, on a team. So that's something he talks about in, in the movie, and it's something that I, I've talked about with my sports psychology class. Is, you know, all-star teams are great. You know, the dream team in 1992 that went to Barcelona um, and, and just destroyed everybody, you know, they're great. But if you even look at that team, I mean, they came together, and you had, like, your star players, and you had your role players there. So I'm going to assume with your experience just on that team and in your 15 years in the NHL, does that hold some water there? Does everybody have their role to play and everybody just can't be the star? I, I think it does. And, and it's having those players that are willing to accept that and just, you know, 
perform and fit into uh, the role that they're asked to play and do it as well as they can. And, you know, at, at times, it, uh, you know, how do you, it really is learning how to stand out by fitting in. And it's uh, the results, uh, the results were ended up being there. And, and yet, you know, for Brooks and his approach, it was never about, like, his approach was never about winning. It was, it was the paying attention to the preparation and, and ruling out any possible excuse or uh, just, you know, making sure that he, he took the ingredients and gave the players on that team uh, an opportunity to fit a certain role that not only was a, a good fit for their talent, but a good fit for the personality and, and the, the mindset of that particular player. So that's music to my ears as a former coach, um, stand out by, by fitting in, right? Um, because we all kind of have our roles to play. And, you know, on the, on the walk up here, we were talking about you've transitioned in your post-career and now you're doing some leadership training with, the, with, with a pretty big company. Can you see the same thing in business? Like if you're working with a group of individuals at your organization? I, I think you can. And, I, and it's about, uh, you know, it's about, for, for Brooks, he... Uh, he knew who he was. There's there's four factors in in every encounter that you have. You have the leader, you have a follower, you have the communication and the environment that that communication is being delivered in. And he he was probably the best example that I've known uh, for being aware of of those uh, the difference in each situation on on which takes precedent. Like. Uh, and my experience in, in that with that 80 team was that of a, of a follower uh, buying into what it was him making it easy to set a goal of, of being the best conditioned team. Uh, when we got to Lake Placid, one of our very first meetings, he, he just said, we may not be the best team when we get to Lake Placid, but we will be the best conditioned team. And that was his, fo- that was his focus in everything that, that we did was the preparation part, uh, coming to the rink ready to go to work, um, making sure that uh, you're a little bit better today than you were yesterday. Uh, and a lot of that was based on and his thought and idea that we were going to be a very, very well-conditioned team. So was his coaching style, was it different than anything you'd experienced before? Or, you know, in the culture of hockey, you know, keeping in mind, I'm Midwest kid from Indiana, so I'm more of a basketball background, kind of used to Bobby Knight style maybe. But was his style kind of fit the culture of hockey that you're used to, or was it something completely different? I think uh, I related it somewhat to, as a kid growing up, my my dad was my coach a lot of times. So mm-hmm. Herb could be, he could be tough on guys at times, but uh, as a young kid growing up and having your dad as a coach, I, there's no one tougher on their mm-hmm. kid than, than, the, than the dad <laughs> if he's in that position and that's how I always felt so that wasn't maybe it was something that uh, I was a little bit accustomed to in that respect but uh, you know it's uh, the the preparation approach uh, that Herb used and and basing it on what he what he valued the fact that he knew he, he could uh, he needed all kinds of ingredients and different types of players different styles of play different talent levels and different personalities. Uh, he needed he needed all of those things uh, to bring it together. And uh, I think an example would be Mike Ruzioni was was captain of our team. 
not necessarily the best player. And it, to that, a lot of, in a lot of cases, your best player is your captain. Uh, and that's kind of what we were used to. But uh, Mike had a maybe wasn't wasn't the best player on our team, but he was the best at bringing the group together. And and I think we had a and with that eighty team, we had a group of guys that were willing to support one another and and literally played for the guy sitting next to your left and they play for the guy that was sitting to your right, knowing they were going to do the same for you. So a lot of the scenarios you've talked about, and even just some of the um, some of the verbiage you've used just in this interview here, you, you see it in the movie. So how how realistic was that movie, or did they take maybe um, you know some liberties being being Hollywood? There were some liberties taken, but uh, for the most part, it was uh, well done. Uh, the things that uh, happened in the movie to happen uh, in real life to some extent. Yeah, maybe there were some embellishments to certain parts, but the movie captured the emotions on the team, and uh, we joke, we laugh uh, amongst ourselves as players that uh, Kurt Russell maybe made Herb Brooks seem too nice. <laughs> uh, that was one thing I didn't see coming in this, but I will ask you a question. So one of my students uh, wanted me to ask you this today. So Sam, this one's for you, but. Did Herb try to have individual relationships with you guys? Did he get to know you as individuals? Or, you know, was the movie portrayed him as kind of more hands-off and the assistant coach would be a little more close to you? I think that was that depiction was uh, very true. Okay. Uh, Herb was, he, you know, he would come to the rink and then uh, he would leave. And that, and I think maybe uh, he's he had talked to it up until his death, the fact that, you know, he really, on a personal basis, he didn't get to know us. We really didn't get to know him. Uh, but I think in in certain respects, he, he felt like that's something he had to do to allow the team to work out any individual differences as a, as a team. Do you think that model can still work now with, with USA Hockey or, or maybe kind of any sport where we're taking individuals um, with different types of roles and, and different abilities, maybe not our all-star players because a lot of these teams have gone all-star, um, but just kind of, you know, more of kind of that, that college amateur mix and being able to compete at a high level or, or those days past? Things change, mm-hmm. uh, and I, I think one of the things as far as the leadership aspect of it is Brooks would have, Brooks would have adapted, mm-hmm. and he wouldn't have he wouldn't be coaching today the way that he coached forty years ago. Uh, he was a, ahead of his game back then, and he would certainly uh, would expect if he were alive today he would have changed his his coaching, uh, adapted to. Uh, today's game it adapted to today's player and uh, changed you know certainly changed his approach again uh, and adapt to the, the current situations that's one of the unfortunate things we're never going to get to know you know with that with his passing but do you think players we hear this a lot do, do you think players today have changed and, and you know maybe we'll just kind of focus on the end of NHL because there's so much more money and there's so much more branding. There's so much more of these opportunities. Can you coach guys hard? Like maybe you could in in the seventies and eighties and in the nineties, or, you know, do coaches need to be maybe a little bit more player friendly? Well, I think it, uh, comes, uh, even in, even in business, we Mm -hmm. have to, you know, the, the point and 
tell people what you want them to do, days are gone. It does yeah. regardless whether it's sport, business, whatever. You you there has to be somewhat of a and Brooks had a, an innate ability to make every player on the team feel like he would he was the key to the success of the team. Uh, and I think that's, you know, that's something that has to, to play a part in today, not only in sports today, but you, there has to be uh, a sense of, you know, the coach is looking out. He wants the best for me. He wants me to be the best that I can be. Uh, and that's all he's looking for. And he's, and he's there to, to help me get to that point. Uh, you know, sometimes, like, can you be tough on, I th- still think you can be, you can be tough on players or viewed as being tough on players, mm-hmm. but you have to, you certainly have to counter that. I think Brooks had uh, the ability to uh, deliver whatever he was trying to communicate, read the environment, whether it was all of us as a group or if he was speaking to individuals and, you know, that the delivery would change. Uh, and he was much more supportive in a one-on-one situation, certainly much more supportive and gave you the sense like, you know, you, he cared what you were thinking, what you were going through. And then when he delivered things to the team, it, that could be take a completely different vein. But, and everybody in the room, if when he was addressing the team, if it was um, what he was saying, everybody kind of took it to heart that mm-hmm. he was speaking to them, which probably wasn't the case. But. Well, I think that's the best coaches, they have that ability to adapt, especially over time. And as you think back through through your playing career and now you've transitioned and, and now you're in business, what are some of those lessons, especially leadership lessons that you carry with you today? Well, I think that uh, certainly is, is finding, finding a right fit for the, for the person, you know, not necessarily fitting a, fitting the position to a person, but fitting a person to the, what's asked, being clear about what expect, what the expectations are, uh, setting, setting it out there. And as Brooks and, and most coaches that I've had, you, you do, you set goals. Mm -hmm. And if you reach those goals, then you reset a little bit higher. Maybe to some people, maybe they seem that they're unattainable, but when you get there, they got to be reset. Absolutely. Well, Dave, I know we're a little limited on time today, but just want to say thank you for for joining the show and and really appreciate you having you on. Thanks, Brandon. Pleasure to be here. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Be sure to check out our social media pages on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for our next guests on April 16th. As always, we'd like to say a special thank you to producer Josh Hornbacher for his work behind the scenes today. This is the Center for Sports Studies podcast, broadcasting from the Trine Broadcasting Network. For more information about the Center for Sports Studies, please visit trine.edu. Also, be sure to like the Trine Center for Sports Studies on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at TrineCSS. Thanks for listening to this presentation of the Trine Broadcasting Network, part of the Center for Sports Studies at Trine University. Learn more at trine.edu.